The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. But if you compare it with, say, tobacco, I mean, it's, it's undetectable. Deaths from tobacco are way higher than deaths from all the hard drugs together and, you know, soft drugs like, like uh, cannabis, marijuana, you know, maybe it's not good for you, but the, it's not a killer. Uh, furthermore, tobacco kills other people. Like, more, way more people die from passive smoking than die from uh, hard drugs. Passive smoking, meaning you're around somebody who's smoking. Welcome to the underworld. I love America. It's been my home all my life. Ladies and gentlemen, the very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. In America, you Welcome to Public Access America. This is your history. This is your country. This is America. Join us in listening to some of history's America's best speeches. Created by Jarcodes Productions. Go back in time with us right now on Public Access America. Say China established military bases in Colombia to carry out chemical warfare in uh, Kentucky and North Carolina to destroy this lethal crop that's killing huge numbers of Chinese. I mean, is that all right? I mean, it's part of the imperial mentality is we don't, we, we, it doesn't register. Uh, since we're the owners of the world, we can do anything we want, you know? And if we want to say, you know, invade Afghanistan because we don't like somebody, or we want to put to carry out chemical warfare in southern Colombia because they're doing something we claim that. Then okay, we have a perfect right to do it. All right, putting that aside, you have to really ask yourself whether uh, controlling uh, cocoa production is it has anything to do with the purpose of all of this. I mean, there's kind of a there's a principle of law, well-known principle of law, that you. It can infer intention from predictable consequences of actions, okay? Now, for decades, the United States has been fighting what's called a drug war to try to get rid of, uh, say, opium production. It's had essentially no effect on opium production, but it has had other effects, perfectly predictable effects. In Colombia, it's a cover for counterinsurgency. Uh, in the United States, it's a technique for reintroducing slavery. 
what it's done in effect in the United States since the drug war was escalated by Nixon, uh, a little bit after that, mainly since the Reagan years, is to just shoot the incarceration rate up to the sky. And it's mostly black males. Well, you look at the history of African Americans, it's been slavery all the way. I mean, everybody knows, you know, that aside from free blacks, it was slavery up to the Civil War. But what is less known is that there was a period, 10-year period, called Reconstruction when it was sort of <laughs> kind of freedom. But after, after Reconstruction, there was a compact uh, uh, of the North and the South to essentially reinstitute slavery. And the way it was done was by criminalizing black life. So if a black man is standing on a street corner and, you know, you can arrest him for vagrancy. Uh, if he doesn't look down properly when a white woman passes, you can arrest him for, you know, attempted rape or something. And once they're in jail, they're there forever. Because you can't pay the judges and you can't pay the lawyers and so on. So essentially black life was criminalized. And you had a new slave class, which was worse than slavery for good capitalist reasons. Uh, if you own a slave, he's capital. You've got to maintain him. If you're just taking a slave out of the criminal system and putting him to work in a mine or a factory, he's dispensable. It's kind of like free labor. You just throw him out. So, in fact, it was worse than slavery. And it's the basis for a large part of the American Industrial Revolution. Uh, the mines and the steel mills and so on. A lot of it was in the southern areas where it was based on slave labor. Well, that went on until the Second World War. During the Second World War, you needed free labor, labor for, you know, war plants and so on. And then for a couple of decades after the Second World War, there was a substantial economic growth, industrial growth. So black men could get jobs as auto workers and, you know, you could, they could live, start moving into relatively decent life. Well, by the 70s, that essentially was over. Uh, the, the economy moved towards financialization, uh, towards elimination of the industrial, industrial production. Uh, the neoliberal policies were introduced. You've got this huge superfluous population again. What do you do with them? Throw them into jail. Uh, and in fact, that's exactly what happened. So the consequence of the drug war here was primarily uh, domestically, it was to reincarcerate a large part of the black population, also Hispanic population, uh, and to, uh, uh, and, and in fact, they are again factory labor. So you, you, they, they, they're cheap and easily exploitable labor. It's called voluntary, but we are in jail. You know, voluntary has a special meaning. But uh, the, uh, uh, and, you know, when people complain about, say, Guantanamo, it's kind of a little ironic because American prisons aren't that much different. I mean, they're torture chambers. It's a horrible system. So that's one effect at home. The effect abroad is counterinsurgency. And uh, there were other consequences. Uh, it's a way of frightening the rest of the population here, imposing what's called law and order. So if you want to frighten and control the population, they have to be afraid of something. And they can be afraid of, you know, Hispanic narco-traffickers trying to destroy us and that sort of thing. And that worked very well. So it's had a, and the fact that it consistently fails in its alleged purpose, namely reducing drug use or even availability of drugs, 
it doesn't matter because it's succeeding in its actual purposes. Uh, you know, you'd think that we'd be able to understand that. In fact, the three quite conservative Latin American ex-presidents, uh, Zedillo, uh, Cardozo, and Gaviria, I think, uh, recent, about a year ago, put put out a did a you know headed a study which called for just elimination of the drug war. They said it's got nothing to do with uh, uh, with controlling drugs. And a lot of Latin American countries, I don't know if Honduras is involved, but others are just reducing, de slowly decriminalizing drugs for personal use and so on. Uh, the U.S. wants to maintain it. But I think that's because it has other functions. Now, Colombia is right at the center of this. Colombia may not be the main producer of poppy anymore. It very well might be Mexico. And Mexico is now a major narco state. Uh, there are huge areas of Mexico near the border which are just given over to the northern border, U.S. border, to uh, opium production. And the U.S. pretends it doesn't know anything about it. But journalists in Mexico say that you can just you know, fly over it in a Piper Cub or something. You can just see it. You can't miss it. A lot of these are areas from which the population essentially fled as a result of NAFTA, which undermines agricultural production. It's one of its purposes. So people flee to the cities, and you have big open areas, and the drug cartels pick them up, and they're apparently protected by the army and uh, and the narco-traffickers who work together. Uh, and it's claimed that about 25% of the Mexican economy is now just narco-trafficking. Uh, but you know we don't decertify Mexico because it's, it's an ally. Uh, but Colombia is the one real holdout in Latin America so far. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, it's a pretty ugly place. On the other hand, I, I, to get back to an earlier question, I don't really think it can be used as a base for attacking other places in Latin America. There's just not the capacity for that. Mm -hmm. But it was much more striking in other parts of the country, like uh, the Midwest and the Southwest. And in fact, what happened is that uh, a very substantial mass movement developed of solidarity, which was something totally new in the history of imperialism. I mean, thousands, probably tens of thousands of people, uh, many from church groups, many from evangelical groups, uh, went down to Central America uh, to live with people in very dangerous situations, to help them and just to give them some protection by the presence of a white face. You know? I mean, that never happened in the whole history of imperialism. Like, nobody from France ever went to live in an Algerian village to protect people, or in Vietnam, nobody thought of it. But it, it, it turned into a major mass movement. I remember going to you know, churches in Kansas, rural Kansas, where people knew more about Central America than, uh, you know, than anybody around here. That's certainly more than the CIA, but that's not much of a compliment. Uh, and it, uh, a lot of them stayed, uh, especially the evangelicals. Uh, and out of that grew other movements like Witness for Peace and uh, the Christian you know, protection groups, which are all over the world. Uh, and uh, they do very important things. I mean, they're in the Middle East, you know, they're in uh, Asia, everywhere. It's not as visible, it wasn't as visible as, say, the 60s demonstrations for the same reason, because it was, you know, it's in, it's in the mainstream. 
it's in sort of town, you know, rural towns in Maryland or in Kansas and things like that. And that doesn't make make the news, but it, it, it was happening and a lot of it remained and it's the basis for the existing solidarity movements which have spread. Uh, it's, there isn't the kind of organized activism about Central America that there was during the period of the big massacres. You know, so when you're killing a couple hundred thousand people and this tortures and massacres and this sort of thing, well, you know, this is a lot easier to organize people when it's happening sort of quietly and you're just back to normal repression and suffering. Uh, it's, it's more invisible. So, it, 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 you know, you, you don't have civil disobedience and people getting arrested and uh, things like what you described. Uh, but it's latent, and I think it can be brought back. Well, I'll, I'll say a word about what was going on over there. No? It's, it was very clear that, that uh, the, the Reagan government uh, wanted an outright uh, declared war. Uh, U.S. bases, I mean, they're a threat to the region. And in fact, in the, uh, right after the bases were established, there was a meeting of uh, UNASUR, the Union of South American Nations, or whatever, the newly formed uh, organization that met somewhere in Argentina, to consider the problem of the bases. And uh, it is regarded as a threat to the region, but the chances that the U.S. would use the bases to invade Venezuela, I think, are pretty slight. I um, mean, the, uh, the U.S. just doesn't have the capacity to invade other countries at this point. I mean, they're a threat to the region. And in fact, in the, uh, right after the bases were established, there was a meeting of uh, UNASUR, the Union of South American Nations, or whatever, the newly formed uh, organization that met somewhere in Argentina, to consider the problem of the bases. And uh, it is regarded as a threat to the region. But the chances that the U.S. would use the bases to invade Venezuela, I think, are pretty slight. I um, mean, the, uh, the U.S. just doesn't have the capacity to invade other countries at this point. It's stretched to the limits, that's, uh, if not beyond. And I don't think they could get away with it either. South America would blow up. You know? so, so they're a threat. But I think the real threat is what came out in the uh, leaked Air Force documents, that it's a component of a surveillance and control system that extends over the hemisphere, most of the hemisphere, and links up to the Africa Command, which is relatively new uh, and is part of the system of controlling Africa, and it's, and it's part of now a global system. You know, the U.S. is the only country in the world that has anything like a global system of uh, surveillance and control and uh, uh, potential aggression. But if there's an, if they're going to use forces anywhere, I suspect it would be client forces. And I don't think Colombia wants to get into a war at this point. Hey, Petey, have you heard about this new podcast, Public Access America? You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, Player FM, TuneIn Radio, and even the Stitcher Smart Radio app. It's so cool. Not good, not 
But are you a German spy? Because that sounds like technology. It's like that new thing, the radio, or a newspaper for your ears. You can even follow their production company, Jar Codes, on Twitter or Facebook and find all new episodes posted every day. Oh, that's cool. I don't care nothing about no planes, but I gotta hear the latest episode of Public Access America now. Oh, watch the bomb. You can even go to their YouTube channel at Public Access America and find great videos from our time. It's so cool. Go check out Public Access America.